Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. So good to be with you. I always say that. I always mean it. It always is good to be with you. It's so good that we can get together. Um, one of the favorite Hebrew songs we sang growing up, and it's still one of the favorite of the Hebrew people, is a Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together. In Hebrew, Hinematovu uh, namaim. I know some of you know that song. It's really How good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together. Of course, it doesn't sound so good when it's sung by somebody with a bad throat and cold, but I'm getting better. I'm truly getting better, and all is well. And I'm a little bit excited because yesterday we began reviewing point one, um, of uh, part one, part, point one of part one of um, the Catechism Explained, um, an exhaustive explanation of the Catholic religion, and I'm so thrilled. Um, I got an email from someone that this book is over $100 on on the Internet. I, I just, that's, I, I find that difficult uh, because I got a, uh, to understand, because I got a hard copy, and uh, I also, it's published in the soft copy, which is a lot less. I'll look it up maybe during the break if I can and tell you what what the price is. I think I got it on Amazon, but it's it's all over the place. So I'll look it up for you if if you'd like to read along, because I would I would I made the suggestion that it would be a wonderful thing if your uh, mother and father and children and your um, whole family at home together that in the evening, Papa, you would sit down and read this catechism just one point at a time, like we're doing. Um, with your family, and then pray a decade of the rosary before you go to bed. It would be a wonderful thing. And just one point at a time, rather than, you know, if you allow, let's say, 15 minutes, don't read the whole 15 minutes. Just read for five minutes, and then you can have a family discussion um, and and questions and all of that. And And don't worry that if you're not a scholar, you don't have the answers. Don't worry about that. The church has the answers. So all you need to do is look them up. You can send an email to, to me at mother at the station dot com, and I'll try to help you. And if I can't help you, I'm going to send you to Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. They are the number one apologetics resource uh, in the country, but probably in the world. And I have utter respect for them, the utmost respect for them, and they are accurate, and they are faithful to the magisterium of the church. And um, so there are always answers. We don't have to worry about knowing everything. The answers are there for us, beloved. So um, yesterday we covered point one, which is part one is faith. It's all on faith. And point one is the knowledge of God. And the first um, oh, let me see now. Where did we go yesterday? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. No, I'm sorry. We're not at part one. We are just at the introduction. I'm ahead of myself here. We're just at the introduction. We're point one of the introduction, um, which begins on page 73. So I've skipped an awful lot at the beginning of the book of prayers and um outlines and all kinds of things to jump into the introduction, which is so crucial, so crucial, because the first question is, for what end are we on this earth? Right? Not just why did God make me, which is very important. What I love about this catechism, which is the Catechism of Trent, and um, again, explained, uh, and it's beautiful, just beautiful. So you don't have to be able to explain the faith to your children or family or Bible study group or prayer group or whatever it is, mothers, fathers. Um, it's all explained here. It's wonderful. 
And uh, what the reason I love it is because it lifts us from a me-centered Christianity, a me-centered faith, a me-centered Catholicism, to a God-centered one. <clears throat> so the first question is, for what end uh, are we on this earth? For what end? What is our end? What is our end? Because if we don't know our end, we're not going to get there. We're not going to work toward it. Um, and the question and the answer to that question is, we are upon this earth in order that we may glorify God and so win for ourselves eternal happiness. You see, that we may glorify God and win for ourselves eternal happiness. We cannot earn uh, eternal happiness. It's a reward. It's a reward for a faith that is lived out in works. It is faith and works, not faith or works, but faith and works. Um, both of them, we work out our faith in love, Paul said to the Galatians and, and, and James. It is a faith working in love. It's a faith that works. Faith without works is dead. Faith with works is alive. We don't earn heaven by our works, but works are the fruit of faith. In my Protestant years, I knew that. But what I did not know in my Protestant years is that they are the necessary fruit, and we will not get to heaven without them. They are the necessary fruit. Apart from faith, they mean nothing. But as the fruit of faith, they mean everything and our eternal happiness, which begins here on earth. And so we are upon this earth in order that we may glorify God and so win for ourselves eternal happiness. And it went on to discuss what it is to glorify God and how we are to attain eternal happiness. Um, and I have a, a simpler explanation for how we glorify God, and, and we're not done with the book's explanation, but I, I learned this years ago, and I, I truly love it. And the reason I love it is because I can understand it. I love what I can understand. I love simple things. Um, because God is simple. Simple means without complication. And God is simple. He's without complication. Simple, simple doesn't mean ignorant or, or dumbed down. It means that it's without confusion. It's straightforward. It's simple. You can understand it. And what I learned of the glory of God is that we, um, oh, what did, um, Oh, I'm trying to think of inside the Vatican magazine. Bob Moynihan always has this quote uh, that the glory of God is man fully alive. I think that's what it is. And I forget who came up with that quote. The glory of God is man fully alive. The scriptures say that when we, when we die, we shall awake in glory, in his likeness. We will be like him. And the whole of our lives on earth is becoming what we are, is becoming like him. We are like Jesus Christ. We are being conformed to his image, but we're not there yet. And to give God glory is to reflect all that he is, all his attributes, his characteristics. Attribute is a higher word than characteristic, um, because a characteristic is what somebody's like, an attribute is what they are. We reflect what God, what, what God is. So when we, as human beings, look in a mirror, we reflect what we are. And the idea of giving God glory is that when people look at us, they should be looking in a mirror of God. We should reflect all that God is as in a mirror. That's what it should be. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, All we are, as in a mirror, reflect the glory of God. We reflect what God is, just as Moses, when he came down from the mountain uh, in the book of Exodus. People couldn't look on him because he, he was aglow with the glory of God. He had to cover his face with a veil. And so we, with unveiled faces, will reflect the glory of God, all that he is. And so when we are living when we grow in holiness, as we reflect the attributes of God, what he is, his love, his purity, his, um, his holiness, all of that, um, all the fruits of the Spirit, uh, love, uh, kindness, self-control, uh, 
purity. Um, oh, I can't even think of it. I had this memorized. It's it's uh, Galatians five. 22 and 23 what what it is to glorify god and what it is not to glorify god it's it's beautiful so when people look at us beloved if they see christ in us we are giving glory to god we are reflecting his attributes in us and through us it's a wonderful thing so um again the um why we are upon, why, for what end are we on this earth? The answer, we are upon this earth in order that we may glorify God and so win for ourselves eternal happiness. Beloved, until we glorify God, we won't be happy. Until his life is fully alive in us, we won't be happy. We'll be full of us, but when we're full of God, we're free. The truth makes us free, and we'll be happy. So, question two, how are we to attain to eternal happiness? How are we to attain to that eternal happiness? And here's the answer. Eternal happiness consists in union with God through the exercise of the intellect contemplating God and the will loving him. Let me reread that. Eternal happiness consists in union with God through the exercise of the intellect contemplating God and the will loving him. If we wish to attain it, eternal happiness, if we wish to attain eternal happiness, we must begin to draw near to it, which is to him, in this life. We must seek to know and love God. But love of God consists in keeping his commandments. That's what he said in the 14th chapter of John. Love of God consists, if you love me, you would keep my commandments. And from this it follows that, here's the answer to how we are to attain to eternal happiness. We shall attain to eternal happiness by the following means. Number one, we must strive to know God by means of faith in the truths he has revealed to us. And number two, we must fulfill the will of God by keeping his commandments. Now, where in those two sentences? And there's a third. We must therefore avail ourselves of the means of grace of which the chief are holy mass, the sacraments, and prayer. Now, where in that does it say that we, in order to attain eternal happiness, we must have a happy marriage? We must have perfect children. We must have wonderful relationships. We must uh, have whatever we want on earth. Where does it say that? It doesn't, right? We shall attain eternal happiness by following the following means. Number one, we must strive to know God by means of faith in the truths he has revealed to us. And the explanation of that is a quote from John chapter 17. Our Lord says, This is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That is to say, end quote, that is to say, the knowledge of God brings man to eternal happiness. That's it, to know God. You say, I'm not happy. I'm not happy in my life. My marriage is a bit miserable, or I never got married and I want to be, or this person betrayed me, or I was fired from my job, or nobody in my family loves me, all of that. But where does it say that that's, none of that is the route to happiness? The route to happiness is to love God. And if you are unhappy, beloved, your way to happiness is simply to love God. And to love God, you can't love him if you don't know him. You cannot love someone you don't know. It is to know God. Whom to know is life eternal. And that's what brings us happiness. You say, well, well... I knew God. I thought I did. What if you're unhappy? You don't. Or you don't trust what you know. You don't apply what you know. To know him is to be happy. That it is. It is to have eternal eternal happiness in him. 
So one, we must strive to know God. The truth sets us free, beloved, by means of faith in the truths. Excuse me, has revealed to us. Oh, I'm so sorry when I hiccup like that. Pardon me for a minute. I'm going to have to take a little bit of sugar. A little bit of sugar makes the hiccups go down. Paco. And I'll be right back with you. Hold on. Okay, we have returned. Sorry, thank you. We're back, Paco. So point two, we must fulfill the will of God by keeping his commandments. Now, all right. Our Lord says, so first by knowing him, second by keeping his commandments. Our Lord says to the rich young man, Matthew chapter 19, if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. In my Protestant years, we were taught that Jesus kept them for us because we couldn't keep them. But that's wrong. Jesus fulfilled the law and poured his spirit out on us so that we can keep them. We could not keep them apart from him but apart from him, but in him we can. Our Lord says to the rich young man, if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And end quote from Matthew 19. By means of our own strength, we can neither believe nor keep the commandments. For this we need the grace of God. Faith is a gift, beloved. The ability to do good is a gift. It's, it's a gift of God. We can do nothing on our own. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do a lot apart from him, a lot of destruction, but we can do no good apart from him. We can't keep the commandments and we can't know him. We can't love him apart from him. And the author here goes on to say, even Adam and Eve in a state of innocence needed the help of grace. He who travels in a distant country besides his own, um, Exercises, no, I'm sorry, there, um, exertions, okay, I'm so sorry, I got something wrong here. He who travels in a distant country besides his own needs money for the journey. The farmer cannot cultivate his land without the aid of sunshine and rain. Man, too, has a special weakness by reason of original sin. This makes grace the more indispensable. Apart from him, truly, we can do nothing. His grace, the grace of God, is his life in us. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Nothing for good. Nothing of eternal value, beloved. The blind man needs a guide. The sick man strengthening food. We are like a man who through weakness has fallen to the ground and has no power of himself to rise. He must look around for one to aid him. And so our Lord tells us, quote, without me, you can do nothing. That's John chapter 15. As the sun, S-U-N, is necessary to the earth to enlighten and warm it, so it's grace, so is grace necessary to our end. We obtain the grace of God through the means of grace instituted by Jesus Christ. And that those are the sacraments, beloved. Those are the sacraments. Faith is a pure gift of God's grace. And to obtain the full measure of grace God has intended for us, those are the sacraments. So number three, we must therefore avail ourselves of the means of grace, of which the chief ends are Holy Mass, the sacraments, and prayer. Holy Mass, beloved, the sacraments and prayer. In the sacraments, God gives us grace. In the Mass, God gives us his very self, body, blood, soul, and divinity as he walked on earth. 
And the explanation continues. The means of grace are a channel through which grace is conveyed to our soul. We need a channel. We need a receptacle. We need a way to receive that grace. Faith is the road which leads to heaven. The commandments are like signposts by the way. The means of grace, the money for the journey. The way that leads to life is narrow and thorny, our Lord says in Matthew 7. The way that leads to life is narrow and thorny. The way that leads to destruction is broad. And many are they who go in thereat, end quote. It is also true that he who desires happiness must have religion, beloved, that religion is God-given, not man-made. Most of the religions in the world are man-made. They are made by man trying to fill the God-shaped vacuum, St. Augustine said, that God has given us. But true religion is that which God gave. Religion consists, I'm reading now, religion consists in knowledge of God and a life corresponding to the will of God. Religion is not a matter of feeling. It is a matter of the will and of action and consists in following out the principles that God has laid down. Mere knowledge does not constitute religion or else the devil would have religion. He's got plenty of knowledge, right? The service of God is necessarily included in it. We do not call a man a baseball player or a cricketer because he knows the rules and natures of the game. Practice is also required. And it is also true, beloved, that he who desires to be happy must strive to be like God. Man becomes like to God when all his thought and action resemble the divine thought and action. The commandments of God are a mirror in which we recognize whether our actions are like or unlike those of God. So, beloved, if you want to know the degree to which you have drawn near to God, you can take a look at your thoughts and your actions and see if they resemble divine thoughts and actions, whether your actions are like or unlike those of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see? And if you say, well, sometimes they are and sometimes they're not, this is a good thing. Sometimes there are. We're striving. We're on the way. And if we want to grow in deeper union with God, we need to give up what is of us to grow in deeper union with God. If you see a glass half full or or half empty, however you look at that glass, half full or half empty, it's half and half. And if you want it to be more full of you, you've got to get rid of God or a portion of his grace. If you want the glass to be more full of water, uh, representing God's grace, then it's got to be less of you because the glass can only hold so much. You're not increasing the size of the glass, but you're increasing the amount within the glass that's filled with water that represents God. So to be full of water is to say what St. John the Baptist said. Um, uh, He must increase and I must decrease. He must increase and I must decrease. And as I decrease, I increase in the love and the knowledge of God. We will take point three tomorrow. And point three is, can we attain perfect happiness on earth? Well, there's a nice discussion for you and your family tonight. Can we attain perfect happiness on earth? Can we? What's the answer to that? Um, you'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> that is our, and I'll find out tomorrow. We'll, we'll read it together. Uh, that's the music for our break. Beloved, call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, one 511 5483 Text at that number or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We'll be right back. St. Thomas Aquinas said, To convert somebody, go and take them by the hand and guide them. 
One way to do this while on the road is by using our Catholic Radio Bumper Magnet, which has been a tool of conversion in many lives. We offer free bumper magnets to promote Catholic Radio so others will come to know our Lord through listening. For your free bumper magnets, click the Promote tab at the top of our website, thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Then click the Promote tab at the top of our website. Thank you for sharing Catholic Radio wherever your journeys take you. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. I'm thrilled to be with you, and this is our entire half hour together. So I welcome you to call in with anything on your heart. Again, it never needs to be our subject. Um, the, 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 the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. So call in with anything at all, toll free, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. I do say with anything at all, but it should be with a question, question, um, uh, if possible, uh, rather than uh, to make an announcement or a statement. So it, it should be with a question. Um, and you can f- tell, you can uh, text as well at that toll-free number or uh, email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have um, a text from Jane. I'm not sure if... No, I, I don't think we were able to take that yesterday, Jane. Um, Jane writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I'm a Catholic married to a Jewish man two years ago in the Catholic Church. He is agnostic. I have started to attend the traditional Latin Mass, and my faith has grown tremendously, praise God. My question is whether the priest from the Latin Mass would consider this marriage valid. My husband has a complete aversion to Christianity. We are beyond childbearing age. Thank you so much. Love and prayers, Jane. Oh, that's an unfortunate situation, Jane. Um, but um, it, the marriage is either valid or not. And if it was valid um, getting married in a Novus Ordo uh, Catholic church, then it's valid getting married. Uh, then then the, the, the pastor of the Latin church considers it valid, too. If you married a Jewish man, uh, but your marriage was in a Catholic church, um and that man, since you're past childbearing age, and apparently you don't appear, you don't plan to adopt children, because he would have to agree to raise your children Catholic. But at least he needed to agree, despite his aversion, to uh, let you live your Catholic faith in full. So if that's been the case, um, then you're married. If you're married validly in the church, you're married validly, and it it it's not. Uh, doesn't change between uh, the Novus Ordo and the, and the Latin Rite Church. If it's valid, it's valid. Um, okay, and the fact of your husband having a complete aversion to Christianity um, 
there's something important about that because most Jewish people, um, if your husband's agnostic, that would probably answer his complete aversion because an Orthodox Jew would not have a complete aversion. He would understand his faith enough and disagree with things, but he wouldn't have... An aversion is not an intellectual situation, it's emotional. And so um, there's something going on emotionally with your husband uh, toward God, what's altogether. And so um, I would simply, dear Jane, do as I think you've probably already uh, tried to do and are doing. Be as loving a wife to him as you can. Don't speak about your Catholicism or your Christianity. Don't bring up religion. Be the best, most holy, most loving Catholic wife you can possibly be to your husband. And, um, and somehow, hopefully, you can let him know through your actions that, and your love that to be Catholic is the most Jewish a person could be. And even though he's agnostic, he may not mind a little celebration of Passover when that comes around, or at least joining with his family. So you can be very sensitive to those things, but he can be converted simply by your very life. You might get a hold of a book uh, called Why I Became Catholic. It's by Elizabeth Lesur. It's a French name, Lesur, S-E-U-R, I believe. Um, uh, capital L E, capital S E U R. I'm not sure, Elizabeth. And uh, she wasn't Jewish, and her husband wasn't Jewish, but he was an absolute atheist. And uh, she was a very faithful Catholic, and he was against every single thing she did, but didn't forbid her. But she was very respectful of what she kept around the house. But she was able to go to church, and she kept a diary. And when she died, he read her diary, which was so beautiful and so beautiful of her love for him and her trust in God, uh, God's work on her husband's heart, that he not only became a Catholic after she died, but he became a priest. It's very, very beautiful. Okay, we are going to go to um, Sharon, who wrote in by email. Hello, Mother. Can my 75-year-old dad reject medicine to fix his cholesterol? He wants to let nature take its course. His wife is under a lot of worry and stress, crying for prayers. She wants him to live as long as he can. Thank you. Well, the question is, can he reject medicine for his cholesterol, he wants to let nature take his course. The answer is yes. Anybody can do what they want. Should he? Uh, not necessarily. But if he wants to let nature take its course, then I would simply look online and find out the natural way to eliminate cholesterol. And you certainly can do that without medicine. Um, if his life is in immediate danger, yes, there should be some medication. But if he refuses it, there are very healthy diets. Eliminate fats, eliminate eggs, eliminate cheese. Uh, take kiwi. My nutritionist used to say that a kiwi a day keeps the cholesterol away. Olive oil, kiwi, they reduce cholesterol in your body. So just eat a better diet and he won't need the medication, hopefully. Okay, but yes, he can refuse it, but uh, hopefully with a lot of love, he will, um, he will be helped to be cured. We have a uh, question on Facebook from Janine who writes, When I was in Nazareth in the church of St. Joseph, there are detailed plaques about Jesus' siblings. It also talks about them in the Gospels. I'm confused about whether or not Jesus had siblings as I'm getting mixed information. Thanks to anyone who can clarify. Well, um, Jesus had no natural siblings. He had no siblings at all, in fact. Absolutely not. Um, But in the Jewish Hebrew language, there's no word for... um, um, in, In Hebrew, let me see, let me get this right. There's no word for cousin. Um, and so Jesus did have cousins. Um, and, but there's no word for cousin. So if you look in the 
uh, margin of a study Bible, you will see that cousin, um, that there's no word for cousin, and so the word for brother is used instead. Uh, the same in the Old Testament. There's the music for our break, so I'll continue this as soon as we're back from the break, beloved. And again, it's the last opportunity. Well, not the last. You could call in during the program, but it's a good opportunity during the break for you to call in with anything on your heart. The toll-free number, one 511 Text at that number or call in or email, I should say, at mother at the station of the cross.com. We'll be right back, beloved. Users of iCatholic Radio are leaving inspiring reviews in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Margie says, My go-to app. I love this channel. I can listen while busy around the house or driving in the car. I love the variety of programs. Keep up the good work. Michaela from New Zealand says, I love this app. I have it on Bluetooth and my car radio and listen to it all day, every day, and am encouraged in my Catholic faith. I would recommend this to the world, whether Christian or not, because it speaks to all people to become better people. I am now a huge follower of the American Catholic way of life because it's very similar to the way I was brought up in Fiji. The priests on the station are very straightforward, but are very understanding toward the audience at the same time. Love it, love it, love it. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our page at the iTunes or Google Play Store. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails. And stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. I'm thrilled to be with you. This is our last segment for today, and we've got a good 15 minutes, so feel free to call in with anything on your heart. One toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. Text at that number or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. Um, we uh, have a Facebook question, which we began just before the break from Janine. She says, when I was in Nazareth in the church of St. Joseph, there are detailed plaques about Jesus's siblings. It also talks about them in the gospels. I am confused about whether or not Jesus had siblings as I'm getting mixed information. Thanks to anyone who can clarify. Jesus did not have siblings. Mary was and remained a virgin before and after the birth of Jesus. But I started to say earlier that in the Hebrew language, there's no word for cousin or nephew, that kind of thing. And so everybody is called brother. Um, but it, but brother could mean a spiritual brother. It could be a, a physical brother. It could be a, a relative of another kind. It could be a good friend, bro. You know, um, if you look back into Genesis, Abraham was um, Lot's uncle. Lot was Abraham's nephew. But yet... Um, but Lot was called Abraham's brother when he was his nephew because there's no word for those kind of uh, 
uh, kinsmen. And so everybody was called, the word brother was used, but Jesus had no brothers. Again, if, if you see the word brother, um, uh, if you can look into the uh, most study Bibles, have a little margin or, or notes at the bottom, and you'll see it says kinsman instead of brother um, in, in, the, um, in the original. Uh, it'll be kinsman. And what's interesting is that um, none of these who are named as brothers of Jesus, though again they are cousins, uh, none of them uh, is ever called a child of Mary. None of them. None of them. Because they are not. Only Jesus is, is a child of Mary. We have a call from Julia in Pennsylvania. Hello, Julia. Hi, good morning, Mother. Good morning, uh, my dear one. Question, my question to you is about um, the will of God. Yes. Uh, it's in the Lord's Prayer, we have it in many scriptures, in many books. People talk about it. People are waiting for it. Why, why aren't we being enlightened a little bit more about the will of God? And what it is is not our will being done, but His, living the way He wants to, yes. living out scripture. And Correct. so it's... It's not a hard concept to understand. We make our children bend to the parents' will for their own good, but as adults, we need to learn this. I've been well. Let me correct that. Let me correct that. Children do God's will by obeying their parents. It's a a little different because the parents. It's they do the parents' will. You're not wrong, but parents can be wrong. But they do God's will as they obey their parents, whether the parents are right or wrong in everything but sin. So I just want to uh, clarify that, Julia. That but go true. ahead, dear. Uh, so I, that's, I just want to um, know more about, you know, how the will you of feel God. about that. Yeah. Well, again, not a matter of feeling, but a church teaching is, you know, every time we pray the Lord's Prayer every day, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we may not think that through, but we're asking for the will of God to be done in a Lord's Prayer, which, you know, depending upon whether we're lay or religious, pray that many times a day. Um, and when we pray... Um, we pray as the scriptures teach in the Gospel of John according to the will of God. And so we say, thy will be done, not mine. Um, we say, Lord Jesus, uh, if it's, if it's, you know, your will, I'd like to find a, a mate to marry or uh, we'd like to get a job or whatever it is, if it's your will. So, um, I think that, um, Julia, you've got a very good point here because I think that many people, especially people that pray, and I would say most Catholics pray uh, in some measure, um, even if it's just, as Romans 8 says, the yearning of the heart toward God, that's a prayer. Um, and they do pray for God's will, but it may not be that we think about it, But because we're asking God, we're asking for his will. Um, uh, if we say, uh, not thy will, but mine be done, we're in trouble. So just the fact of prayer, Julia, we're asking God's will be done in our life. And we're happy if it's what we want, but we should be happier if it's what he wants. So th- the thing is that we may not have thought it through very much, right? We may not have really um, understood that... Um, that, in fact, everything happens according to the divine will. Everything happens, whether it's his um, permissive will or his, uh, oh, what's the other theological word? His, um, um, oh, permissive or, I, I, it's escaping me right now, but uh, his emphatic will, it's, it's what he purposes or what he simply wills. Um, uh, out of a permissiveness. So, for example, um, if you have children, um, you uh, your children um, uh, may want a certain. How do I say this? They may want to go out with their friends, um, uh, and they may want to do certain things. Uh, so, it's your permissive will. It's it's it, that they go with their friends, but it, it may not have been your will that they do what they do when they're out with their friends. But you've really allowed it in a sense because you've given them that freedom. So God gives us free will to do what we want. But as we mature in Christ, what we want 
above all things is what God wants, even if we don't know what that is. So we are, we are perfectly safe in the divine will and nothing. I tell you from my heart, dear Julia, um, I want nothing apart from God's will. I don't even have to know what God's will is, but it's what I want because I know it's what's most perfect and and best for me. I've learned that. So uh, not just theologically, but truly in my heart, I know that. And so I want the will of God. Um, some people want what they want so strongly, they pray that that's what God wants, you know, and, and it may be what God wants, but it, it may be uh, dangerous for them as well. So why we don't hear more from that, from the pulpit uh, sermons or messages, uh, homilies on the will of God, I don't know why we don't hear more. Um, I personally wish, dear Julia, that we heard more solid teaching on the Catholic faith uh, altogether from the pulpit. Um, many, uh, many uh, pastors that we listen to, that I listen to, um, um, they they really don't teach the faith. Even if they teach from that day's gospel, they teach the application, how we should live, but they don't teach the, the actual faith. And it's knowledge of the faith that gives us the desire and the motive to live as we should. Not just because we're told how to live, you should do this, you shouldn't do this. But we know the love of God, and then we want to live that way. Is that getting at anything you're asking at, Julie? Oh, Julia? no, no. I, I thank you. I thank you for your for your response. I appreciate it. Good. Is there anything else you'd like to hear about the divine will or... Or, or we should make a plea to priests to teach about it. Well, I, I think I think just as the Messiah was being um, foretold by the prophets of the old days, and yep. people kept uh, kept waiting and waiting, and then you heard those people who uh, would always talk about it, and then it got to other people that they were longing for it, and. And then finally Christ came, and people. some people knew how to look for him and knew what the science would be that he would be there. And, um, you know, if the, divine, if the will of God, uh, kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, is in that Lord's prayer, I think we're still waiting for that. Uh, and um, Well, well, Julia, so yes it, and it no. Will all, it will all come together. It will well, all yes come and together. no, Julia. Let, let me just say, don't. It's not all in the future. It's every moment. We live, when we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're not talking about eventually. We're talking about this very moment in my prayer, in my action, in my heart, in my thoughts. Thy will be done right now on earth, in me, as it is in heaven. We're asking for God's will to be done this moment. And of course, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We want God's kingdom to come. And the fact is, what many people don't believe, because they were looking for signs of his coming 2,000 years ago, is that he first came to set up his kingdom, as you know, in the hearts of men, before he would set up a physical kingdom on earth, which will happen in his second coming. And so that was less obvious to the Jews of Jesus' day, that he would set up his kingdom in the hearts of men, that he came first to take away sin before he would come a second time to rule and to reign. So all of those, a present and a future, just as all the prophecy, Julia, had a present and a future fulfillment. Everything the prophets said had a present fulfillment in their day in addition to a future fulfillment, which they didn't always understand. Isn't our faith a treasure? We never stop learning. Oh, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed, dear one. Thanks for your call, Julia. God bless you. Thank God you bless you, dear one. You're welcome. Um, we have a call from Lisa on the line. Are you there, dear Lisa? Lisa? Uh, for some reason, Lisa's not answering, or I don't hear her. We're going to go to an uh, email by Jennifer. Can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you now, Lisa. I don't know what happened. Oh. Hi, Mother. Go ahead, dear one. Um, I listen to your program sometimes when I am homeschooling my children, so I just caught the last caller's question. Oh, good for you. Mine will, and um, 
I'm wondering if you've heard of Louisa Picaretta. But of course. Um, of course. And so how do you think, what do you, what do you think of Lisa Picaretta and her, um, her work about spreading how to live in the divine will, how to receive that gift? I think it's and fabulous. It's so absolutely fabulous. I, she is the missionary, the saint of the divine will. And for many years, um, her work was, um, I don't know if it was fully forbidden, but it was, um, not approved, but I think it has been now. And so her work on the this is a woman beloved, everyone listening, who lived on the Eucharist alone for years and wrote about the divine will, our Lord speaking with her. So if you see a series on the divine will by Louisa Piccarella, I, I recommend it. Have you read okay. that yourself, Lisa? Um, I have done very small, like over Lent. I actually had my best Lent ever. Um, there you go. While I was reading The Passion, her account of The Passion. There you um, go. I also have a friend who has written two, one very large book about it. But what I'm starting to hear more and more about is how to attain the gift of living in the divine will. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there is a man who has a website that that gives you, I mean, it's all in line with... Is with that you, Owens? Is that you, Owens? Um, no, his name, it's um, Daniel O'Connor. Okay. And, um, he, in his in his first book, it's very long, it's like 600 pages, but the second one he calls it an invitation to how to receive the gift. And it's, um, I, I'm, I'm trying to get through it. Um, I tell you what, Lisa, I have not read that. I have not heard of Daniel O'Connor, and I can't, recommend or not recommend his books but i i personally would tend to stay away from that not because it may not be good but louisa in her writings tells you how to attain that you don't need to go further than what she's written you don't need a how-to or instruction lisa's books will help you through that i believe that now i'm not saying you shouldn't read instruction books and other things i'm not saying you shouldn't do it but I, I but be careful about that it would be um when i say be careful i i don't want you to cut yourself short you know if you're always reading books about the bible for example but you don't read the bible i'd say to you those books are good but you do best by reading the bible itself read the word of god and so uh, Luisa Pecoretta's books on the divine will is not the word of God, but it is what God has done in her and through her. And I would suggest if you read that, you will know all there is to know. So um, um, that, that's my suggestion to you, that don't look for so much quick cut, shortcuts or how-tos, but just spend your time in, in reading the divine will and the scriptures. Don't do it without reading the scriptures. Okay. Okay? All right, Lisa. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. That's the end music. We're cutting you a little short. But uh, I'm, I, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying spend time in, the, in what is the deepest food for us. Okay. God bless you, dear one. Um, and we'll speak with you all tomorrow.